Tuesday. Let's change the way we talk about money. Um, I feel like it's been a little bit since you've heard my voice, since there was no episode last week. My bad, you guys. But to make up for it, I will be releasing two new episodes this week. Um, so hold me accountable and be on the lookout for that. Um, as far as life updates go, honestly, y'all, I don't have much. So we're just going to bypass that and get into the fun stuff, which is our very special guest, Taylor Grant. So Taylor is a certified financial advisor backed by Northwestern Mutual. She has her own business where she helps people get their financial lives in order and honestly I think that that is something that's just so awesome and Taylor does it in a way where she's not coddling you but she's also not being so rude to you and my way is the only way take the highway kind of vibe um And also, not to mention, Taylor is a black woman, and I think that is so important because when it comes to finances, I feel like that space, we are not represented enough. And so to see women, black women, getting into finance and helping people get their financial lives together is honestly everything. And our conversation that we had was great, and I hope you guys, not even hope, I know you guys will learn so much from it get some you know good tips that you can apply to your own financial life and I just hope that you guys enjoy and before we dive right into today's episode I do just want to give you guys a friendly reminder to leave a five-star rating and review if you enjoy this podcast. I have seen my number of like five-star reviews go up which is awesome but I would really love to get some comments in there so if you haven't done so please be sure to do that and subscribe. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. All right, enough of me rambling. Let's get into the episode. My name is Taylor Grant. I am a financial representative at Northwestern Mutual. I have been doing this for about a year now, and I have a practice in the Atlanta area. I'm originally from Savannah, Georgia. Um, I went to Valdosta State and graduated with a finance degree. So I actually grew up around finances and money. My mother was in the banking industry. So I've heard conversations about money management, CDs, loans all throughout my life. My mom used to do a lot of um, seminars and speaking engagements through the city of Savannah and would literally drag me all over the place. And I didn't realize at that point how important that knowledge was that I was getting Um, until I got to college, until I got to Valdosta and realized that a lot of the education that I was getting at the dinner table, a lot of my friends and my peers did not have. So that really sparked my, I guess, my love for finances. And I ended up switching my major, um, got a business degree. And after, you know, a I won't say a hiccup, but a taking a job that I needed right out of college. I have now gotten into my passion and really feel like I'm living throughout my purpose in helping people in their financial lives. Oh my gosh. I love that. I have so many questions that I don't even have <laughs> yes. like written down that just popped into my head right now. So I'm so excited. So before we, you know, get really into it, I do have like one little icebreaker question for you. Okay. So if you could, if you could eat one meal, for a year straight, just that meal, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, what would it be? Oh my gosh. Okay. So (laughs) I think I am a seafood person. Like I said, I'm from Savannah. So 
seafood all the way. Um, but I will have to say specifically crab cakes because <laughs> every restaurant I go to, I get a crab cake to see and rate on a scale of one to 10 who has the better crab cakes. And you can eat them from breakfast, put some grits next to them, eat them from lunch, put some fries, or, you know, make it special at dinner time. So crab cakes all day long. <laughs> I, I love that. We love, we love variety. So I'm glad you can like, you know, mix it up for each meal. <laughs> When was it that it finally clicked for you? Like, okay, I'm going to make this into a career. This is what I'm going to major in. Like, what led you? What was that specific moment that led you to that decision? So I think there for me were two. So the first one was in college. I originally went to Valdosta to be a bio major to do physical therapy, which is so funny because I'm not a very touchy-feely person, you know, and I'm not um the most nurturing person and then biology was just not my gig so I um was in a sorority and in a lot of clubs and I just naturally went towards the treasurer position in those um on the committees and things like that so after talking to my mom and saying hey I don't think this is for me she's like well why don't you do business and so then when I was looking through the business uh majors I was like oh finance uh, duh that's the easy not easiest but it makes the most sense so I think that was a realization that kind of put me in line with okay switching and leasing to the business um school and things just kind of flipped there and then second what really got me into personal finances and helping and coaching people to their definition of financial success and security and wealth building actually happened last year during um, the earlier parts of COVID. I was um, working at GEICO and um, was in their management development program. So I was used to coaching people as a supervisor. Uh, So I really liked that aspect, not mostly like the micromanaging. And I started, I had a lot more time on my hands. So I started reading a lot more financial um, books because I like to read, I like finance. It just went hand in hand. And it was just so many things that I was learning that I was like, why don't people talk about this? (laughs) Like, why are we not um, educated on these subjects? And knowing that that was not the career that I wanted to stay in and just having some time to really think and knowing how this was really interesting to me, I took a leap. It was a very big leap. I moved. I um, enrolled in school. I did a lot of things before I even secured the job. So it was definitely a leap of faith, but I think that was the second major moment where I was like, okay, no, this is it. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. What are a few mistakes that you haven't made that other people might've made? Yeah. So I think two big ones. Um, the first one that I noticed was the misuse of credit cards. So there's so much talk about credit cards. They can be a great tool, but they can also hurt you. And from day one, my mom was like, do not get a credit card. Don't do it. Because she had her own struggles with the Macy's cards, the Victoria's Secret cards. That Macy's card. My mom had one too. (laughs) I think she still does actually. And people, I got so scared that I just wasn't going to be able to handle it. Now, there was some effects of not having a credit card through college and building up my credit then, but definitely seeing the misuse of credit and not really understanding 
how it can be helpful and the proper ways to use it. And then second is savings. And it doesn't matter how little you save, but just putting something away and getting into the habit of having a separate account and you're just continuously putting money into it and letting it sit um, and having that as a discipline in your life is so important that I started when I was in college and it was so, it was small. It was like $25 a month, mm-hmm. but because I was able to build that habit early when I got my first big girl job, I was already in the habit of doing it. And now I can just increase the amount. You are a financial advisor. So for those who like have no idea what a financial financial advisor does, can you just talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. So there are so many different types of financial advisors. They may have specialties. You may have somebody who deals with specifically investments. You may have somebody who deals with like budgeting and cash flow and credit analysis. You may have people who deal with strictly insurance. They all could fall under the um, the umbrella of financial advising. My practice is built on comprehensive financial planning. So I like to come in and take a, a bird's eye view of everything that you have going on. If you want to pay down debt, if you want to build up your savings, if you want to increase your credit, if you want to save for retirement, all of these things. And make sure that what you're doing is in line with what what your goals are. So we literally break down your budget, start from there and say, okay, with X amount of dollars, here are the things that I think you should work on. What do you want to do? And then we start putting some actions in place to get that started. I love that. I think, I think that's like such a valuable thing, like career and just thing to have because a lot of people don't even know like where to even start so to have exactly. someone like you come in and be like okay we're we're gonna go all the way to a and you know mm-hmm. walk you all the way to z and then and figure that out that's amazing so I want to ask you like I know I always say I have this um mindset where like personal finance isn't one size fits all um like right now for me, like my main priority as like my listeners all know is getting out of debt. Mm -hmm. And that's like my main thing, most important thing. And so a lot of my actions when it comes to my money is for that reason. But, um, for some people that may not paying off debt may not be their, their goal. It may be saving up for a house or, um, Mm -hmm. traveling for like vacation. So how do people kind of figure out like what's most important to them? And, and, as far as finances go, because I think there are some like financial gurus who are like, no, you need to do it this way and this way only. And if you don't do it this way, like, I, good luck to you. You're wrong. Right. Yes, I definitely agree with you. And I have my love hate relationship with financial gurus, all those things, um, because it's not one size fit all. What I would tell people is they really have to sit down and figure out their priorities because that's all it is, is where your dollars are going or where you putting your priorities at this point. So what most people don't realize, especially when you're just looking at their budget originally, is that their priority at this time may be going out, maybe dining out, maybe personal care, maybe those things. And then once you sit down and say, okay, what actually are you trying to do in your life? Is it buy a house company? Is it to save for retirement? Do you want to retire early? Do you not like the feeling of debt? Because there's 
there's pros and cons. There's different ways to handle that. Um, but it just really and truly comes down to what is important to that person and how each of those categories makes them feel. So for me, I am really big on retiring with money. <laughs> like that is my number one goal. I know that along the way, there are going to be a lot of different um, ups and downs in my financial journey. I know that there are going to be different focuses, but my overall goal in my personal plan is that the day I retire, I'm not working for nobody. I'm not thinking about money. I'm not thinking about where my next check is going to be. I am relaxing and living my life. So that's my personal goal. And everything that I'm doing is in uh, in line with that. Are you, um, are you aiming for like fire, like retiring early? Or do you want to just like, you know, do the normal like 65... 70 like age retirement? Yeah. So I, I don't have a big drive to retire early. That's not um, a huge drive for me. So I can definitely see myself working until 60. And I think what I'm realizing is like my parents are kind of in that range now. Like my dad is 60. My mom's coming up on 60 and they're kicking, like they're having a great time. So I'm like, okay, I can see myself still working at their age, but at 65, I'll probably be like, okay, no, I'm done. Yeah. But I want to have the option at the same time. I don't want to have to feel like I have to go to work because I'm not able to retire. Yes. Oh my gosh. There's nothing like more sad to me than like seeing someone who's like 80 or 70, like, you know, working at the local Walmart and it's not, well, some people do that because they love they working. Like, like that's, right. that's their thing. But then there's some people where they're just like, I'm doing this because I have to, not because I want to. And that just makes exactly. me so sad. And that just lights a fire under my butt to make sure that like, you know, all my ducks are in a row. So I'm not <laughs> in that position. Cause that's rough, you know? Yeah, it's it's rough, and I don't think anybody should have to do that. Work yeah. can take such a toll on you when you're young. I can't. I personally cannot see myself having to do that when I'm older, and it depends so much on our actions and our decisions in our 20s and our 30s. Because the closer you get to like 50, 55, 60. It's so hard to save and invest at that point. You're going to be basically putting in like double, triple the amount that you would have done if you just started earlier. So, yeah. Yeah. So, I'm very so all of you. About retirement. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it because I feel like right now, right? Everyone is so into like investing, like cryptocurrency and all, like just like this kind of like, quick I guess like money. quick. Yeah. Quick money. Everyone's like into that. And I don't see anyone, you know, taking screenshots of their like 401k or whatever. Like, and I wish like, that stuff is fine, but I wish people would understand that like um, saving up for retirement is so important because you're doing it for your old, your like senior citizen self, you know, yeah. like it's, it's just so important. So I think like you being so passionate about that definitely needed because some people don't understand. They're just out here like, I'm trying yeah. to get money today. That's it. <laughs> and what I tell people is I have a lot of people asking me my opinions on Forex, cryptocurrency, and again, love-hate relationship with it. I think it can have a place in your plan, but that cannot be your sole plan for accumulating wealth. It's more so gambling 
than investing. You can invest in a strategic way that is not as risky, or you can be super risky in those cryptocurrencies and Forex and those type of programs, but have your security at the same time. You can still have your 401k. You can still have your savings in your emergency fund. You can still have other um, investment accounts that are not as risky. So that's what I mean by saying it can be a part of your plan, but I have seen and heard so many stories of people putting all of their savings into cryptocurrency and being really ass out, excuse my language, when they lose it all. So a portion, it could be a portion and have fun with it, do great things. And if you make some money, what are you going to do with that money on crypto? Don't put it all back in there. Put it in savings, put it in other places that will help you on your wealth building journey. Uh I think more people need to need to hear that because, yeah. Um, so when it comes to having like a financial advisor, do you need to have a like a large amount of money to work with one? Or can I just be, you know, making my like 50K and be like, hey, I think I need like a financial advisor. Or is it just like strictly for like, you know, super rich? That is such a great, a great question because, um, especially in our community, people don't necessarily have the access or have had the access to um, financial advisors and people in the financial services industry. It's mostly been tied to the people at the bank who will help you set up like retire or IRAs and different investment accounts. Um, no, you do not have to have a certain income and certain amount of assets to work with a financial advisor especially if you find someone that is one willing to work with you and have that educational piece in it. So they may not be able to make the most um, extravagant financial plan because of course it's going to be based on your budget, but you, if you have an income and if you have some plan for the future, you have, you have the right to have a plan, a financial plan for your life. And it's just seeking out somebody that you trust and that you feel comfortable working with and growing with over time. And there are going to be some people and some advisors that may have gone through their career and they're 20 years, 30 years plus into their career, and they may not have room for, um, I guess, additional clientele. But that's why I think it's so important to just speak with the people that you can connect with and who you're comfortable around because you'll quickly realize who you want to work with. That leads perfectly into my next question. So what are some like characteristics or things that people should, you know, look into when seeking a financial advisor? Yeah. So definitely look back or look at the company that they're backed by. Like I am I have my own financial planning business, but it's in partnership with Northwestern Mutual. Look at the company they're backed by. Look at their um, qualifications. Ask them really what their planning strategy is. Ask them why they're in the industry and see if they honestly are able to push you because there are people who can go both sides. You may have an advisor who will coddle you a little bit in cases where they're not going to push you towards the place where you need to be. Or on the flip side, you may have somebody who's a little too aggressive 
and say, these are things you need to do. If you don't do them, we're not going to work together. So there is a balance. And I think it's, it's going to be really personalized because we want this to be a long-term relationship because mm-hmm. as you grow in your careers, as you grow into your families, as you have more investments account, and you're just growing, your advisor is going to be able to direct you and guide you in towards really your goal at the end of the day. All right. So it's a partnership. So it's like, you just exactly. need to make sure. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. So I'm going to switch gears a little bit um, and get more into, I guess, like lifestyle, personal finance type of thing. Yeah. But what are your thoughts on like lifestyle creep? And for those who don't know, like lifestyle creep is just like when you start to earn more, all of a sudden you, tar- you start to spend more. Yeah. So first I would say it's, it's very hard to avoid it. It's extremely hard to know that you're making more money and not seeing or feeling the impact of it. But again, it's going to go back to your priorities. So I like to coach the 20% rule. So 20% of your income should be going towards your financial plan. So that could go investing, retirement planning, savings, paying down debt, whatever the case is. So let's just say you were at an income where your expenses would not allow 20% of your income to go towards um, your financial plan. And then you get a bump. Now you should have the, the space in your budget to start to put towards your financial plan. So I would say prioritize your, your planning before you prioritize your, your lifestyle um expenses so your fun money student loans has been a huge thing so big (laughs) um and you know during the pandemic that you know a lot of people were like those loans are between biden and jesus like i literally (laughs) do not care don't want to see them not paying them like they can miss me never paying them um and so it was i just literally like maybe like 30 minutes ago just read an article about how Biden dropped the um, like student loan forgiveness or something like that out of his annual budget. So like that's not going to be on the table. And so now it's starting to kind of seem like, okay, we may not be getting relief this year. Mm-hmm. Um, don't know about the future, but at least for, you know, right now it's, it's looking like, you know, once October hits, people are going to start having to, you know, make those payments. So what advice do you have um, or just like rule, rules of caution you have for people who are, um, you know, who haven't paid on their loans like this, like for the entire year, like during the pandemic that was going on. But now, you know, Great Lakes, Navient, they're about to start start blowing up your phone and being like, where's my money? Yeah. So that is the reality for a lot of people right now. A lot of people, unfortunately, were not using the deferment to uh, the benefit and using it more most effectively. So now um, that those payments are coming back, it may put people's budget in the red. And that's mm-hmm. what we want to avoid. So I'll, honestly, the biggest piece of advice that I can give people is to go ahead and start redoing your budget and living like you have that payment coming out. Because if you can get into the habit, 
if you can just go ahead and put that into your savings and you know that it's coming, it's going to prepare you a little bit more than October hit and now you're paying $200 and you don't know where that $200 is coming from because it's been gone for a year and a half. Right. So, no, or two not- years at that point. So. Right. No, that's great advice. Like I know people were were telling me, they're like, were asking me, they're like, you're still paying on your loans. Like, why yes. not? I mean, I mean, why like why are you still doing that? And I'm like, honestly, I'm like, like, thankfully, um, me and John, my husband, we both still have our jobs. We moved oh, back yeah. in with his parents. So we were we're paying like a fraction of what we were um in Atlanta for rent. Like we pay like seven hundred dollars now instead of as we were paying like a month when we were in Atlanta. And, um, I'm like, we, I don't know if interest rates are ever going to be 0% like ever. So I'm like, it would be given our situation and our circumstances. I'm like, it would be so silly of us not to take advantage. And I mean, by doing that, we've paid over like $20,000 in just this year. And so it's like, we're close to being done. And I, I do hope that forgiveness does come because a lot of people need it and it would yes it would do it would just change the trajectory of so many people like their lives and their families lives because like debt honestly is crippling and I think that relief needs to happen um but I just feel like personally I've never been one to kind of like and I think it's because I've always heard my mom say it like to never depend on the government just keep going about your business do what you need to do and so I've always had that mindset so I to me, I always have the mindset of like, oh, it'd be nice if he forg- if he forgave student loans, but yeah. I'm still going to take care of what I need to take care of just in case he doesn't. Like, I don't know, you know? Yeah, I think I definitely agree on your train of thought with that. And I'm glad you clarified where I did not, where I said that people weren't using the forgiveness most effectively, because there definitely are people who did lose their jobs and were, did not have the means to pay their student loans. Right. We're not talking about you guys. Right. We're not talking about you guys. So <laughs> please don't hate me. Um, I'm definitely talking about the people who uh, were still in the same financial situation, if not better, and did not use this opportunity um, the most effectively that they could. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So um, I, I think that shame is a huge part of why people are don't just turn a blind eye to their finances. Um, it's whether they're, it's like they've gotten themselves into so much debt or whether, you know, they're ashamed of like their current um, financial situation in terms of like what they're making at work or what have you. So how can people kind of like break free from feeling that shame so they can, you know, take the next step um, into their financial journey into, I guess, becoming like financially whole or healthy? Yeah, that is such a great question. I think that shame leads to a lot of other feelings um, that are detrimental for sure. Um, But I'm going to come back to priorities on this because if you know that you want to be in a better position, you're going to have to take that first step. And then what I really try to make my clients feel like is, this is just your starting point. Everybody has a starting point. It's going to be work and it's going to be tough for a little while until you build the habit and the consistencies of it. But there's no judgment on my part because if everybody had 
their finances together, I would be out of a job. Like this is, I'm, there's no judgment coming from me, but I do, I do understand that that's real. And especially if we're not used to having those type of conversations, it can be uncomfortable. Um, so that's why I am, I am very cognizant of my tone and how I particularly act with my clients because I don't want them to say, all right, I got to go in a meeting with Taylor and I forgot to tell her I went on vacation and then I ain't pay down my credit card bill. Like, I don't want them to feel like that. Um, I want them to know that I'm here as accountability for them and to push them, but not to be an authority figure waving my finger at them. Um, because we all are going to make mistakes, you know, everybody has, um, days where they're not on their A game. So I would say it's okay to feel like that, but understand that you're never going to have that improvement. You're never going to be able to move from that space. If you don't take the first step, no matter what that step is, it could be you just doing the research and deciding you're going to start saving money. It could be saying, hey, I need help. I need to go find somebody to do that. Or it could just be you just starting to do the things that you already know you should do. It could be whatever step it is, just go ahead and understand that shame is going to be there. Understand that if it is there, um, but just acknowledging it and trying to move on from it. No, I love that. So I, this question um, literally just like popped into my head, but um, you know, a lot of people on, you know, we're on social media all the time and you see what other people are doing with other people are on vacation, buying new clothes, <laughs> what have you. Right. And so how do you, how do you prevent yourself from falling into that trap of like always trying to guess, like keep up with the Joneses or maybe in this case, like the Kardashians or whoever right. <laughs> spending money that you don't necessarily have, but you kind of want to, you know, look like you have it or, you know, appeal to, I guess, like the online world. Yeah. I think that is such a hard thing to keep in check because I know that, I mean, at my point in my life because I've started my business there are things that I want to go on vacations I want to do all of these things and I see my friends and the people that I follow or people in the same industry that I'm in but have been doing it for years or whatever having that experience that I know at some point I will have but not right now it's so hard and I think that people um downplay it and say oh you just you know just don't keep up don't look at it don't pay attention to it. <laughs> if it was that easy, there wouldn't be an issue. Um, but yeah, I, ugh, that is such a hard thing to keep in check, to be honest with you. Um, the only thing that really helps me is knowing that I may not be there right now, but I'm building and um, working so I can be there later. So put in the work in now so I can do that and then be the one on Instagram showing my beach vacations in the Maldives and things like that. Yes, I love it. I guess it just comes down to just like being aware that like your current situation is not going to be forever. Like it's, it's, it's just for this like little, you know, when you look back this little small time and you know, when you're through this season onto the next season, then you can like live your best life or like, you know, get to wherever you're going. Um, before we wrap up, I just have like two more questions. Yeah. I 
I do want to ask you about just like the like the black community and generational wealth and like I know I've I've read articles that have stated that you know the I guess like the generational wealth gap between like you know our white peers and black people is just like so vast Mm -hmm. and sometimes it almost feels like we'll never be able to close that gap. So what are some things that like, you know, we can do now in order in order to like, you know, at least narrow that gap, you know, a little bit? Because, you know, you, you just like hear the like those statistics and you're just like, you feel almost like helpless. You're like, dang, like, yeah. well, what the heck am I going to do, you know? Yeah. So generational wealth right now is such a hot topic. Mm-hmm. Um, which is good because we weren't having these conversations. These, again, were not conversations that we were having with our family at the dinner table on Thanksgiving. And mm-hmm. because of that, the knowledge that, was, the knowledge that our white counterparts have and have had for decades and generations were not discussed with us. And if they were, they were kept real, real tight door. I would say the easiest way to build generational wealth is life insurance. And people, especially in the back community, have such a love, a hate. Honestly, I was about to say love, hate. They have a really hard time with insurance in general, <laughs> especially life insurance because people don't want to make money off of somebody's death. And I get it. But if we are thinking about how is it, how are we going to ensure that our children and our grandchildren are going to be able to buy a house, are going to be able to have education that is not coming from the state, that is not going to be something that they're going to have to pay back over the next 30 years, that they're going to have um, opportunities and basically a bank of money that they can use to start their own businesses and develop their own ideas. Having life insurance is the easiest way to do it. And if you are young and you are healthy, it's the easiest time to get it for you because it's just going to increase over time. So, and there's so many things that you can do with life insurance and talk through it, and, but we don't talk about it. So yeah, life insurance, life insurance, life insurance. Wow. I've honestly, I've never heard that before that like you could, I mean, I know that basically what like life insurance is for, if you were to pass away, you'd have enough you, that the money that like your kids or your spouse the money that like you're no longer, you know, bringing in should be able to like provide for them. Right. Mm -hmm. That's basically what. Yes. That is one portion of what life insurance can do. So in, when you are helping somebody to get life insurance, there's a couple areas that you want to look at. So you want to make sure their final expenses are going to be taken care of. So obviously like funeral arrangements, arrangements and medical expenses. If they have any children, do they want to provide their children with educational costs? So that's easily if you're going to Georgia um, or UGA or whatever, it could be $100,000, easy. Mm -hmm. Then if you want to also have the income that you are providing to the household. So think about it. A lot of us are living in a two, especially if we're married, a two income household. If one of those people in that household passes away, that income is cut in half. And a lot of people aren't able to survive on half of the income that was coming into the household. So thinking about having income for a set amount of time coming in. And um, 
if there's a mortgage, do we want to pay the mortgage off? Or do you want to have the family move out of their home that they were saying? It's just so many different areas that that life insurance can help um, to just get people security moving forward. Um, but definitely, definitely educational costs and then the actual gift of funds to the generation after us, because that I'm telling you, that is what um, people have been doing for generations to pay for their school, pay for their homes, pay for their weddings, these things, these big events. They've been using their life insurance money that they've been given from their grandparents or great grandparents that they just never, we just have not been accustomed to doing. Wow. My mind is blown right now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Um, so as we wrap up the final, like my final question for you is what's the best piece of What's the best piece of money advice that you've ever been given? Ooh. Okay. That's a good one. Oh, I have two. Okay. I'm gonna give you two just cause I can't. Right. I can't so the first one is one, you never know what's going to happen tomorrow. Obviously the world has gone through a lot of ups and downs recently. Um, you always want to be prepared. So having emergency fund savings of some sort is so important and it will give you room to breathe, to have a moment to decide what's going to be the best course of action instead of having to react out of survival. The second is that take advantage of compound interest. And what I mean by that is starting early. It does not matter how small you start, but the earlier you start, the better, because that whatever you're doing now is going to have time to grow on top of itself and just continue to get bigger and bigger. And you won't have the opportunity later in life. Love it. Great, great pieces of advice. Um, so where can the people find you? I mean, if they're interested in, you know, yes. having you as their advisor. So where can they find you? Yes. Okay. So you can find me on Instagram at, oh goodness, at it's Taylor Grant. So I-T-S-T-A-Y-L-O-R-G-R-A-N-T. And then if you would like to email me, definitely feel free to do that. And my email is taylor.grant at nm.com so that's northwesternmutual.com so nm.com perfect and i'll be sure to include um the email and instagram link in the description box for those of you guys who need it so thank you so much thank you for having me i had such a great time i love talking about money (laughs) yeah